2: Now
4: So one of the things that I've been focusing on a lot on this channel as of late is the impacts of retail theft in our country. And this is due to a number of factors. First and foremost, we have removed consequences in a lot of places across the country for retail theft or significantly lowered them. So this has become the avenue of organized crime, because if you're going to have an incredibly profitable system of criminality with very lax consequences for that criminality, eventually it's going to move beyond the petty criminal to the realm of organized crime. And then you're going to see an increase in violence associated with it. On top of that, when stores close, what we end up seeing is that small businesses end up being irreparably damaged. People who took a risk and actually invested their own money and are staking their livelihood on running a small business end up losing everything. Jobs, which are unskilled jobs most of the time, end up going away, which drives those people into poverty. And big stores that offer low prices that the poorest among us depend on disproportionately end up closing because they are operate on selling a lot of volume at low profit margins. We've gone over this time and time again on this channel, but I really want to emphasize how bad it actually is and specifically in the city of New York because I live here, the numbers are crazy and of course I have personal bias to the place where I live. It's just a fact. Now, we're going to get into this. We're going to break down this piece from a local Fox News affiliate that was actually released two weeks ago. I'm glad I stumbled upon it now. But before we get into that, I just want to say thank you to my members. Actualjusticewarrior.com slash join. Get early access to videos via the secret video page.
0: Give me the money. Give you give me the money.
4: Okay? And thank you to the podcast listeners, Apple, Spotify, and Google's podcasting platform.
0: While retail thefts here in the city are skyrocketing, we've all seen the videos of brazen cases of apparent shoplifting over and over and over again. And sometimes it's violent.
4: So look, I just want to point out in full transparency, to be as honest and upfront as possible, that I am fully aware that a bunch of these incidents of retail theft are either old or don't take place in the city of New York. This is just the B-roll that the local news is going with and obviously they're going to be biased towards the most brazen and eye-catching incidents rather than the ones that are more frequent in New York. But to be clear, they are happening and they're up significantly. How significantly? I will let the clip tell you how bad it has gotten in the city of New York.
0: The city's latest figure shows a 44% rise in shoplifting across the five boroughs in just the past year. And retailers say the dramatic increase is having a negative impact on business and the quality of lives of New
4: Yorkers. Joining us, So if you didn't catch that, it's on the lower third. And for my podcast listeners, let me say it for you. We are seeing a 44% increase in retail theft in the current year, according to the NYPD's crime statistics, up 44%. And as that man just said, even though we typically, when we see a downturn, see a small spike in retail theft for a brief period of time, we have seen nothing like this in the history of the city of New York. Now, I want you to think about All the pressures that a business is facing today that they don't necessarily face. First and foremost, interest rates are going up, which means the price of borrowing money to even start a business is significantly higher. That's going to cut into profit margins. On top of that, more and more people are afraid of COVID or were afraid of COVID, so they weren't going out to stores. So you have a depressed customer base. On top of that, you have Amazon.com, the behemoth that delivers everything to your door that all of these retail giants have to compete with. So through a combination of the fact that this is driving places out of business, and then when there's not enough foot traffic, even the stores that are still in business have less customers in order to deal with, and Amazon competing with them, and the price of money, and all these other factors, we're actually seeing a significant drop in rentals for office space and storefronts in the city of new york
1: we talked about the increase in rise of retail theft but what levels are we at right now have you ever seen this before
5: no so i mean uh you know typically these uh, events are tied to maybe economic issues you know when there's a downturn in the the economy recession high inflation which we just had or uh high unemployment Mm -hmm. and then we see a little spike in uh you know retail theft and it's something that abates as the economy gets better, but we've never seen levels like this before. Um, uh, just significance having a really uh, profound negative impact on our business.
2: Yeah, I know. Well, why do you think we
5: that is, though? To the why, why are we at these levels that we've never seen before? Look, I think a couple of things. As I said, sometimes it's tied to the economy, and we just came out of every inflationary period. But you know, more more likely. It's tied to some reforms in some of the laws, like the bail law, bail reform law. And some of the uh, district attorneys, not all, but some of the district attorneys are not prosecuting retail theft.
4: Now, like this guy said, who, by the way, is talking very, very low, but still in a New York accent, so I can respect it. Some of it is tied to the economy, like that initial bump that we did see after the Great Recession and that we've seen in other economic hard times when there's high unemployment, high inflation, or an economic recession. Sure, we can understand that. However, one of the things that he points to is the fact that we have a bunch of criminal justice reforms that were passed into law and some district attorneys in the city of New York, remember we have five district attorneys one for each of the boroughs, are refusing to prosecute retail theft with any seriousness. And one of the things that he names is bail reform which of course guarantees a same day automatic release no matter how many times you repeat offend when you commit crimes that are not bail eligible. Obviously if you're being released onto the streets right after you commit a crime, sometimes same day, you don't even really see a jail cell, you're going to keep reoffending, even if you're stealing an amount that is a felony amount in terms of dollar value. Now, I've said time and time again that you need to incapacitate the repeat offenders as the first step in order to address this problem. I talked about how a few years ago, they actually identified around 319 people that represented something like a third of all shoplifting arrests. I talked about this on the culture war appearance. I've talked about it on this channel time and time again. These are repeat offenders who keep committing crimes. And yes, it is very unusual as we've never seen an increase like this in the history of the city of New York. And again, the increase is happening in 2023. This is not a pandemic thing that just started. And as we talked about in our previous story, burglaries and those kind of thefts are actually more likely to coincide with criminal justice reforms than recessions. Remember Oakland, giant Spike 2018. This is when they passed a law going softer on shoplifters, retail thefts, and supposedly non violent crimes. That has consequences, and criminals respond to incentives just like everybody else. A lot of times, they're rational actors, not desperate Aladdins, and that, of course, is leading to the spike. It's tied to
5: some reforms in some of the laws, like the bail law, bail reform law, and some of the uh, district attorneys, not all, but some of the district attorneys, are not prosecuting retail theft. Mm -hmm. They only prosecute uh, crimes that are violent and not crimes that are not violent so consequently we have thieves who come into the store they may get apprehended they're, they're processed by the police and then they'll let go mm-hmm. and they're out in the street and sometimes i would think before they go home they'll go and steal at another supermarket yeah. so they're creating a kind of a a, a class of recidivists folks who uh, c- uh, criminals who uh will hit stores many times and not have fear any consequence of uh, any real jail time
4: now the expert that they have talks about offenders that, that get out same day and then they rob another store on their way home and while this is definitely happening i will say there's something that has not been mentioned yet that's incredibly crucial which of course is raise the age now i really need you guys to look at these numbers on this chart and understand what it's showing you it is one year before raise the age versus after raise the age now before raise the age 40% 40% of youthful offenders, again, this is the beginning of your peak offending years, age 16, were rearrested. That number jumped and is now at 48.3%. So already a high recidivism rate from a group that we were already treating pretty soft due to their age jumped up significantly. As for felony arrests, it was a quarter of the people prior to raise the age. Now it's 35% being rearrested for a felony. As for rearrested for a violent felony, it was 17.7%. Now it's 27%. Every single one of these indicators got worse. And by the way, this was four plus years ago when they first signed in Raise the Age, when Kathy Hokel was still the Lieutenant Governor. All of the programs that they put out that they said was going to solve this, unlike the criminal justice system, failed they were ineffective yet they didn't change the law Kathy Hochul issued an executive order saying oh maybe for some offenders here and there But the law still stands and the problems in it still exist. Now, look, I am fully aware that we should treat adults differently from children in a lot of regards. However, we cannot ignore the fact that people's peak offending years typically are between age 15 or 14 and 24 or 25, which means if you create a barrier for prosecution against youthful offenders, you're going to see a disproportionate spike in those offenders, especially There's no consequences being dealt to them. A lot of times you look at the people stealing these kind of things from stores. Sure, you have old people, sure, you have homeless people, sure you have people who may even look like they're in dire straits, but disproportionately, a lot of them look like kids, a lot of them look like teenagers. And when you combine the fact that it's already basically impossible to hold somebody who's an adult who's a retail thief with the fact that prosecutors don't want to prosecute retail theft. With the fact that they're also going extra soft on youth offenders, it is no surprise that we're seeing a 44% increase in these types of thefts, and by the way, they escalate into violence.
2: Wow oh
1: At fighterflare.com.
4: flare.com This is the myth of these kind of criminals, that they're just Aladdin, they're just stealing, they don't want to hurt anybody. If you confront them, if you're sick of it or whatever, nobody's going to get hurt. It's fine. They'll surrender immediately. It's not the case. These people are part of organized gangs that are stealing from the community and driving those communities into poverty. And they're actually putting out major institutions in terms of storefronts and areas of Manhattan and New York City out of business by their actions. going unchallenged for so long and the problem is only getting worse unlike other crime statistics which we have seen a slight decrease after a dramatic increase during the 2020 time period specifically after the death of George Floyd. Now, as you can see, based on this chart that graphs petite larceny, we have some increases in street and sidewalk crime, home burglaries, and other commercial stuff is going down, as well as other public area crime is going down in terms of petite larceny. But commercial retail is skyrocketing, and this is because it has been made abundantly clear that there are no consequences for it. It is undeniable. You are in
0: control of 130 stores. Correct. What types of stores are you seeing that are being hit the hardest? Well, I'll
5: tell you, we have stores in New Jersey. Most of our stores are in New York. So 90 stores are in New York out of 130 stores we have. So what happens in New York really affects the company. Mm-hmm. Um we're not seeing any real material change in New Jersey in terms of uh, retail theft. It's all in the city. Mm. All in the city. All in the city. So
4: what he just said was actually incredibly interesting, and I think it is important that you understand the significance of it. So he talked about how we see slight bumps in terms of theft, in terms of retail theft, after economic shocks to the system. This is unsurprising. I've never said that there's not any instance where poverty could drive somebody to criminality. However, I said overall that crime drives poverty far more frequently. But one of the things that we look for in terms of statistics, and yes, this applies in terms of criminal justice statistics, is if there are certain disparities between certain areas and if those disparities can be tied back to an intervention or a lack of intervention. So when we have a guy who actually has a bunch of different storefronts, not only in the state of New York, in the city of New York, but also in New Jersey, which again has a similar population and all of that, and he says that we notice a dramatic increase only in New York City in the stores that he has in New York City, which, by the way, it's also happening throughout New York State that is obviously a significant indicator that something big has happened or something really relevant has changed in terms of policy that is applicable in the state of New York. We have isolated a variable, which is New York City. In New Jersey, they saw the bump in retail theft that we're all familiar with, but they managed to have that go down as normal. But in the city of New York, it's continuing to skyrocket. So obviously there are differences in policies and the ways that they were implemented that end up up creating the disparity. Now in New Jersey, they had a bail reform law as well. Now that bail reform law actually allows judges to get a score which assesses the dangerousness based on information that they put into a database that allows them to hold people that they have presumed to be a danger to society or an ongoing threat or repeat offender without bail or set bail for those individuals. But in New York, all we did was list a bunch of crimes that you're not bail eligible for. And even though the list of crimes that you're automatically released for has been reduced due to the insanity of bail reform, obviously the supposedly nonviolent, no big deal kind of crimes are still on that list. On top of that, we have raised the age in New York, which I just referenced, makes it really difficult to prosecute repeat offenders. On top of that, we have less is more which makes it really difficult to violate the parole or probation of repeat offenders it used to be that if you were released if you were granted parole or you were given a suspended sentence also known as probation if you violated the terms of that which oftentimes would be being arrested for committing other crimes you would be thrown back in jail however we've actually restricted significantly the ability for probation and parole officers to revoke probation or parole
5: and and i think uh, you know, as I said, there's this, um, uh, I think there's an entitlement, a sense of entitlement among some of the, uh, the, the criminals that they should and can um, steal from stores. Mm. Well, and I think it ties back to the fact that some of these, um, you know, DAs are not prosecuting yeah. to the extent that they should
4: look the proof in the pudding is in the taste and what's going on in New York City is obviously leading to the criminality and he talks about a sense of entitlement you would feel entitled to if there was virtually no way to hold you accountable for the crimes that you're committing if you're on parole or probation guess what you can't be held or violated based on the fact that you're arrested for retail theft. If you're a youthful offender, guess what? It's incredibly difficult for you to have a carceral solution or any kind of serious consequences. And even if you're put on probation, we just talked about how that's not really doing anything if you violate that probation. So there are no consequences via that avenue. And if you're somebody who goes before a judge and the judge knows for a fact that you're going to reoffend as soon as you get out of the courtroom, he can't even put you behind bars temporarily awaiting trial based on the fact that you're a repeat offender. On top of that, some of the district attorneys just don't want to prosecute them. Alvin Bragg made it clear that he's not looking for a carceral solution for anything except for attempted murder. When you set those standards up, as the norm throughout your city, it is unsurprising that while we saw ticks in shoplifting and retail theft in other places, that only the places and specifically the places that pass laws that go easy on these particular crimes are continuing to see something rise. New York and New Jersey are similar in a lot of ways. This guy has stores in Jersey City, in Newark, places that oftentimes have significantly higher rates of crime in other categories, yet we We saw the shoplifting and the retail theft – come down as normal, but we have not seen that in the city of New York. And the cost is plain to see go down any street. I've driven by my own neighborhood and seen store after store being shuttered. A CVS that's near me is one of many that are closing. That's where people in my friend group go to get their prescription drugs. Now they have to go significantly further because obviously they can't function as a business when they have everything locked up, when people are just stealing everything. Off the shelves, so when you show up, nothing is there that you actually want. And of course, there's the prospect of danger because these people get out time and time again, and they get more aggressive when they have barriers. I just walked in to a superstore after leaving the equivalent of Costco in a mall, and I was shocked to see that all of the underwear for the men's side. Completely locked up. Now, I know you might be thinking that people are eating those underwears, but trust me, this was not a sex store. This was a regular standard Walmart type Target type business. And guess what? All the underwear was locked up and other things on display that you wouldn't even imagine were also locked up as well. This is because they know what's being stolen repeatedly. And I don't want to get to the point where we're in San Francisco and the Target ends up looking like this. By the way, Deodorant also very big to be locked up. And this is because these are products that don't have expiration dates and you could sell them on the secondary market. And it's really good for organized crime specifically in order to handle those items. Look, we've been down this road before. Sure. In terms of New York City, the increase that we're seeing is one of the largest in the history. And we've never seen anything like it. But in actuality, retail theft was a much larger problem in the United States of America. And what ended up happening was prosecutors decided that they should make examples of people and guess what it abated people will often throw out a bad argument about how the items that were being stolen are worth far less than the cost to incarcerate somebody for the crime but in reality it's not about the individual items being stolen if you prosecute one person or you make an example of one person and that deters 20 other people who are stealing because they're not afraid of consequences then that is a good net effect if the business actually stays in business is producing for the economy producing tax dollars rather than going out of business then that is producing a worthy effect if people are drawing salaries because you know they work at these jobs and that's how they feed their family and they're not on public assistance they're not being driven into poverty those are worthwhile effects we need to get back to this idea that we're going to prosecute these people seriously because until we do we're going to see blight, and all of the bad things that are associated with an increase in violent crime. Remember, the premise of Broken Windows is not what they tell you. It's not about prosecuting all the small crimes, because that will solve everything. It's about making an environment look like people care about it. That's why Broken Windows has its name. When you just surrender to blight, when you allow entire blocks to look like they're abandoned or nobody cares about them, that draws in criminal activity. People respond to their environment. This is basic stuff that everybody should be able to agree with, left, right, and center, and we seem to have forgotten it in the wake of the George Floyd riots. But I'm here to remind you that it is a serious problem, and it's going to have very devastating effects disproportionately on the poorest among us, and honestly, the biggest benefactor of this, even though package theft also off the charts, is Amazon.com because they don't have storefronts. But hey... Those are just my thoughts. I'm going to keep telling you this. I'm going to keep trying to get you to change policy, but let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. If you like the video, show them by leaving a like, subscribe for more content, follow me on all my social media, support me via the support links in the description of this video. This is me talking about the all-time numbers of retail theft in New York City. Till next time.
2: Order now
1: Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed.